Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast, Sunday Talk with me, your host Alexander Mars. Woohoo, I am back, people. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna do things a little different today. I'm gonna have my welcoming segment and then I'm gonna do two segments. Maybe three. I haven't decided just yet. So Anyway, I want to wish everybody a happy Easter, and the reason that I celebrate Easter is Christ has risen. He is risen. He is risen. He conquered death, and this is why I celebrate Easter. Um, it's a very important, it's one of the important holidays. It's a it's a good reminder of what Christ did on the cross, dying, rising again, and because he was out then when he died, he was able to conquer death. And that's where the hope of my salvation lies. So, anyway, just felt like that was just appropriate to talk about. So, uh, anyway, so, anyway, so if you're new, welcome. If you're returning, welcome. So let me give you a little bit about myself. Um, like I said, my name is Alexander Mars, and I talk about on my podcast about my writing, um, being disabled, which I have rheumatoid arthritis, I have dyslexia, I have uh, uh, ADD, I have been battling anemia, still battling it. And I just talk about how these impact my life at certain times, or sometimes if I find an article, which I'll be talking about next, I talk about that too. Um, so basically, yeah, I just talk about life. I just talk about things that are important to me. So today's two topics are, I'm just probably going to go with two. I turn the third, not sure. Today, I'm going to be talking about um, an article I found where a employee sued their employee uh, employer over a birthday party at work. It's quite interesting. And then I, in my second podcast, no, my second, in the second, not second podcast, second segment, excuse me is I'm going to be talking about what's going on in Shanghai, in China. It's quite scary. It's very, very, very frightening. So I think we need to talk about that and how that's going to impact us here and all that wonderful stuff. So I'm going to try to keep these short. Now my second segment may be a bit longer, but I've got my timer set in front of me that says 15 minutes. And I'm going to see if I can stay 15 because I don't want to go like on and on and on. I'm trying to figure out how to do this and how to handle the ADD at the same time because I, if you've noticed, I do do a lot of rabbit trails. That's just my brain working. I'm trying to stay in track and not ramble as much, but you know. But that what sometimes that just makes me me, you know? So anyway, so I'm glad you are here and I appreciate you listening. And we are gonna go into the next segment. Uh, 
about that. It's it's pretty interesting. <sighs> yeah, the name of the article I, they were talking about is a Kentucky man sues his employer for throwing him a birthday party, and now they owe him like four fifty k. They owe him a lot of money. Very interesting. So we're going to talk about that in the next segment, and I will catch you there. Toodles. All right. Welcome back to my second segment of this podcast for April 17th of 2022, and let's get started. I am going to read this article that's... um. I found today on Facebook called Kentucky Man Sues Employer for Throwing Him a Birthday Party and Now They Owe Him 450K. They owe him a lot of money. So I cannot pronounce the, the name, but it's like a lot of money. It's like six figures. No, it's three figures. No, I can't. Sorry. Math and my brain don't work very well. So. Anyway, yeah, it's three figures. Sorry, I'm looking at the products. So anyway, so here we go. So a a Kentucky man took his employer to court after they threw him a birthday party that he didn't want, and the jurors sided with him. And now his employers owe him for you know. 450k basically so that's like three figures nice set of money you know a little side note there so anyway the verdict was handed down this week in Tenton Tenton County Circuit Court in Northern Kentucky the plaintiff the employee of Gravity Diagnostic sued his employer after he was fired following a birthday party that they threw him for they threw for him in August. According to the court documents, the employee had notified the office manager that the that the birthday party triggered his anxiety disorder, that being the center of attention would cause him to have a panic attack. The employee asked the office manager days before his birthday in August not to arrange a birthday celebration as they did for the other employees. Then on August 7th, the employee's, birth, the employee's birthday, the office had arranged for a lunchtime birthday party in the lunchroom, according to the lawsuit. The employee said that he found out about the party as he headed to his lunch break, which was triggered, which triggered a panic attack. The incident caused the employee to leave the office suddenly and spend his lunch break in the car. The employee sent a text message to his office manager asking why she failed to accommodate his crust and not having a party. The next day, the employee was called into the meeting in which he said he was confronted and criticized by the office manager about his reaction to the birthday party that the meeting then triggered another panic attack and the employee asked the manager to stop according to the lawsuit. 
The employee was sent home for the next two days, and that weekend he was notified that he was being fired because of the events of the previous week. The employee sued Gravity, Gravity Diagnostics on grounds of disabled discrimination and retaliation. According to the lawsuit, the employee said because the Gravity Diagnostics did not accommodate his 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 anxiety disorder that the birthday party and the events afterward caused him to suffer from a loss of income and benefits and emotional distress and mental anxiety. The jury sided with the employee and agreed that the gravity diagnostics violated Kentucky law that protects workers who have a disability from adverse employment actions. In total, the jury what the the jury awarded the employee 450k in damages that amounted three, th- 300k, which was emotional distress, and why 150k was lost for damages. Interesting, isn't it? So why do you think I want to talk about this one? I don't know much about uh, panic attacks and and anxiety disorders um never really had to deal with them never really had one so i don't understand but i do know people that do struggle with them and they're very real and it should be something not to mess with when someone comes to you so here's my thoughts on the matter now my one question is I would like to know, which I don't have the court documents. The the office manager knew that this particular employee had been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Or was this something that he just kept to himself? Don't really know. Second of all, how did the office manager, I like to know, how did the office manager respond once the office manager was told that this particular party had this disorder and this is the combinations this particular, that this gentleman was requested? I'd like to know that too. And how many days did he wait? Did he like wait a week before? Did he go two weeks? Did he go a month before? Did, you know, I'd like to know because I have a feeling that he might have waited a week and they might have had already went, the office manager had already went and ordered the food and the catered event and, you know, get the food, you know, stuff that they do. The cake, the stuff, and was in the process where now she could cancel it. Um, so I think there was a mis there was a miscommunication between the two regardless of him not waiting not giving them the appropriate time or whatever or not i think that the office i believe that the office manager should have honored his request if she had or i'm not saying it's a he i'm gonna assume she was a she but makes it easier that if she would have just said hey i understand you don't have you know i think if she would have said hey i understand you don't have to come um it's fine 
but I've already ordered the food. I've got the event catered or whatever and going, we're, I, I still, we're going to do this for the others. And, and just told him he was off the hook. He didn't have to come. And then probably should have asked, should have asked him, well, how do I tell the, how do I explain this to the others? You know, does he seem with the others to know? Or is it the case that he's not feeling well? Or something, you know, because people are going to ask questions. Why isn't the birthday boy at his own birthday party? You know, I, I think that had been a fair. I think those two could have came down and sit down and going, okay. You know, or maybe, you know, I don't know. I, like I said, there's a lot of questions, you know, like did the people in the office know that he had anxiety disorder? Did, you know, what did they know and when did they know it? That's the next question. And probably this was probably all of the documentation, but you know, this is an article, but this is the questions I asked myself because I look at this and going, okay, did he just like wait a week before and just like stuff? Or, you know, like, she had already ordered a cake and made to put a down posit on it. I, I don't know. You know, and people at office parties, you know, who will work in an office building, they do look forward to these events. You know, it's to break up the mundane and have something special. Even with, I mean, I, I remember having birthday parties and going to school. It was always a nice break in a not me, you know, just something to do even if you weren't even if you weren't even the person having the birthday it was just something that was just different it broke up the routine and it was just fun and I think this is what it meant and I think probably the office manager got mad and just did it anyway so why am I talking about this well this is a, cla a, a classic example of the office manager not listening to her employee or listening to the person who has a disability because anxiety disorder is considered a disability it it's prevents them sometimes from not doing things and that's definition of disability and i've had issues with people that would get mad or get upset with me because something they would want me to do and i would tell them it doesn't work or want me to try something and that and I was not going to go through the humiliation of like proving them they were wrong I'm like it doesn't work sorry it it doesn't work how plain can I make this it it's not gonna work you know and not respect my wishes and just leave it as that or just say no I don't want to do it or no I I can't and that's it should be the end of it you know, except battering and battering me and it was just like really It should be what um, what is best for me, and I've I've had this done different times, and I've had to stand my ground, and and then people get mad at me and go, "Well, you're just way too sensitive," and I'm like, "No, you need to understand the word no." you may think that whatever you think your suggestion may help i'm like i've tried it or you know or teaching me how to get off the floor i mean you're not if you're not a physical therapist forget it <laughs> um you know i mean 
to give you <laughs> to give you an example, I had oh I I know what my third segment is going to be the water hot heater story. Anyway, I yesterday oh yeah I'm taping those not on Friday not yesterday but Friday I was I I I'll tell you the story of the third segment it's really funny not funny but it's really cool um. I had to get up and down off the floor, something I was doing, and doing it this week. And I needed a ladder because I don't get down because of lack of mobility. My thing about having RA is getting down is easy. <laughs> getting up, that's the battle because you're fighting against the gravity. Because, you know, when you're going with the gravity, it pulls you down and it's real easy. But finding gravity that's when you gotta get all the muster so I was doing that and somebody asked me what are you doing and I was like I need a ladder why do you need a ladder because I need to get on the floor <laughs> I I mean because I was in the hallway and there was really nothing for me to grab or use and I needed something and it was a valid question I wasn't like you know, it it wasn't it, it wasn't mean. It was just it was to me it was a valid question. What are you doing? Because this particular person wasn't used to me figuring how do I get up and down when there's nothing to pull me back up or push me back up. And and I did it, and I was like, okay. And then once I explained it, it was fine. But it was a valid question. I don't mind questions, but you know, I've been in situations where people expect me to get on the floor <laughs> I'm like it ain't happening <laughs> like no or you know someone would say well you need this or you need to take this and I'm like no you're you're not my doctor you're not you don't have a medical degree and I don't care if you know so-and-so who has the same thing I do and it really works I'm like that's great it worked for so-and-so but I don't know so so condition. I don't know when they were diagnosed. I don't know what kind of medications they're on. Uh, I don't know if they've had similar reactions to have medications that I do and I'm not taking something I don't know that much about. You know, this is about a vitamin and I'm just like, no. And this is what I get really tired of when people give me their advice or suggestions or whatever, or tell me what they, I think. I should do or I should try this way and when I when I say the word no or say I I will not do that oh I won't do that they look at me like well you don't even want to try and I'm like well I don't want to try because I don't want to go through the one embarrassment of trying and I know my and I know what my joints can and cannot do or if I get in a position where I need some help, they're looking at me like, well, you get down there, you get up. It's like, you can't bring me a chair? <laughs> or I, I remember one time I was somewhere, I don't remember where I was at, but I was somewhere and I was on the floor. I had to get on the floor. And I, the furniture around me was not that sturdy. And I asked for somebody to go get me a chair and they just kind of look at me like, well, you got down there, and I'm like, well, yeah, getting down is easy. Getting up is difficult. And it was just really, I was given a really hard time 
when I just asked for somebody just to go get me a sturdy chair so I could get up. And it was just like, are you really being that difficult? And so finally someone got me a chair and once they seen what I was doing, they were like, oh, well, that's how you get up. And I'm like, well, yeah, because my hand, my fingers, my hands don't flatten out and I can't push myself up. You know, I have to, to go through this, you know, cycle of getting up and it ain't pretty. <laughs> You know, and after that, I wasn't asked to get on the floor anymore. <laughs> um, I I wasn't I wasn't asked to to do that stuff anymore. <laughs> I was like, no. But you know, I think sometimes in that situation where instead of confronting me like, well, you can, you got down you should be able to get up, and I'm just like, are you, are you that stupid? You know, I had tried, and I was failing, and I think somebody offered me their, their arm, and I feel uncomfortable because people sometimes want to screw, this was back when I was younger, and I was not on the biological shit, and my hands were really super sensitive, and sometimes people had a habit of when they pulled me up by my hands or my arms they would squeeze my fingers really tight and it would hurt and it would ache for days after that and I just didn't like anybody touching my hands or my fingers that way um unless the person really know me and understood not to be that rough with me and so I prefer a piece of furniture to get up with. And I still do it even today. Like I said, I, I use the ladder. But I just wish sometimes people, when someone comes and tells you that, you know, a person has, whether it's a seen disability or an invisible disability, like for some people who have RA and they don't, ha they don't show the joint damage yet, or like this gentleman who had a panic disorder and certain things triggered that he felt engaged enough to go tell his boss, say, please don't throw me a birthday party. I, what I think what happened for this is like I said, that I think the office manager had already got things lined up. He waited too late and I don't think she knew how to handle it. Um, like I said, some other questions. And if she would have listened and had, if she had already, if she had already ordered the stuff, I could be wrong, or decided to do it because the other employees were looking forward to it, I think she should have had an honest conversation. And that's another thing too with people with, who have disabilities like myself. Sometimes we need to listen to the person and just go, yeah, and find a common ground that's suitable for both parties. And that sometimes is not always the case, but I think if there's an opportunity were to, to make things suitable for both parties, I think that's awesome. But sometimes there's not. But I think people who are able-bodied, who don't have these, who are, who are blessed with healthy bodies, and don't have some of the issues that people with disabilities like anxiety, 
rheumatoid arthritis, being dyslexic. I, I think when we come out and we say this is the, the combination that we need and this is why, and we do it in an appropriate manner, that we're not demanding, we just say, hey, this is what I struggle with, this is what I need, this is what I need you to do, and just do it. Don't sit there and back talk and give me a suggestion, not unless it's something that, you know, like, something. But if you have questions, ask the questions. If, if you think there's a way to accommodate and please everybody, you know, sit there, figure it out. Every, every situation's different. But this case just basically comes down to this lawsuit is just an office manager for whatever reason decided not to listen to her employee who had a, who had a hidden disability that said hey I have an anxiety order issue and having for me being this type of being the center of attention is just going to cause me extreme stress and cause a panic attack for whatever reason I think that was a valid combination you know. You know, just not knowing of what's went on in the person's life and I think I think the able bodied community just needs to listen and stop assuming that they know what's best for us. Or or something that might inconvenience them that they don't want to do it. And you know when I have, if you feel that way sometimes, if you're able-minded and you just feel like some of these com combinations are just a huge inconvenience for you, guess what? Having a disability is a huge inconvenience for the people who have it, let me tell you. Because when I had to get on the floor the other day from my hallway, I had to make sure, I had to go get the ladder. There's stuff I had to do in order to, for me to get up and down on the floor get up and down from the floor to me that's a huge inconvenience right there but I had to do it I had to get the ladder I had to take off my house shoes and I had to put my hair up because my hair is so long <laughs> that's a huge inconvenience for me I had to do all these steps before I could just get down the floor and go oh yeah <laughs> so you know, I, I think th this is one of the reasons why I do this, these episodes for my podcast because I don't think people don't realize the inconvenience of having a disability and the extra steps that I have to do to do a normal thing, which takes somebody else who has a healthy body only maybe a minute or two to check things, to bend down and go, oh yeah, where I got to make sure I have everything before I get on the floor. You know, and it's just like, oh my word. So, anyway, so I wanted to talk about that. And I went over, my timer went off about so many minutes ago. So, yeah, yeah, I will be doing a third segment because I want to talk about the reason why I got on the floor. <laughs> I knew there was another one. Welcome to World of ADD. So, anyway... So I will catch you guys in the next segment and I will see you there. Toodles.
Alrighty, welcome back to my third and final segment for today's podcast taping. Woohoo! So you're probably wondering, what is my awesome news? Well, if you don't follow... If you don't follow me on Twitter, then you probably don't know. And if you do, you probably do know. <laughs> so, drum roll, please. Da -da 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 -da. Draft four of my manuscript is now complete. <laughs> Who's excited? I am. I am excited. <laughs> I'm excited. It's done, it's done, it's done. I'm halfway through the editing process. Woohoo! Do you understand? I'm halfway through. <laughs> and guess what? I get to start the whole process all over again. Not so fun, but you know. So, so why am I really excited about this process? Well, this goes back to the opening segment with having EDD. I have been trying to figure out why I start certain menu uh, projects, manuscript projects, and I don't finish them. And, or I get frustrated, or I comes back of getting frustrated, and I stop, and I don't pick up and pick it up and start with it. Well, there's a lot of different combinations I've come to understand that plays a fact. One of them has to do with a lot of self-doubt, especially writing is not that much. I actually enjoy writing a manuscript. I actually enjoy writing a new piece. That's where I get my endorphins from that make me happy is writing, <laughs> actually writing something. Um, editing is a challenge because I am dyslexic affects me in reading and writing and arithmetic and there's all there's like three different categories with each own names like for writing is dysgraphia if I'm pronouncing if I'm not for, excuse me if I'm not pronouncing it right forgive me um I've also heard a lot of my life a lot of negative feedback um that I can't be a writer because of my grammar. My grammar has been an issue with me, um, a negative issue. I have problems. And so I have really struggled turning a weakness into a strength. And it's still hard. And so the editing process for me brings out this frustration, this standard that I must master this to order to be able to publish, which is true, which is, it's a good standard, but sometimes it just feels out of reach. And I think every writer feels like that to some point. But with me, when I would ask for feedback from other writers, the first thing they wanted to point out wasn't story feedback, which I needed. It was like, well, fix your grammar first and then we'll fix the story for you. It's just like, really? 
and not only like you tell me the same grammar things I'm making over and over because my brain can't catch them and still not understanding what you read. I mean, I get it when somebody says there's too many grammar mistakes, I can't understand what you're saying in your story, and I can't give you any feedback. That's an honest opinion. I, I've had per people say that. I, you know, I'm like, all right, that's honest feedback. I get it. They didn't criticize me. It's just what they understand and what it's just too hard for them to figure out. I get it. They for whatever reason. I, I get that. But to tell somebody over and over, I, like I said, I've had this struggle and I, it brings up a lot of, yeah. And so when I sit down and I edit, sometimes a lot of those mean negative comments that people would say, like, well, maybe you should went ahead and finish high school. I did have someone say that to me, and I'm like, uh, excuse me, I did graduate. <laughs> and, and I did go to college. <laughs> yeah. Um, based on grammar. And back then, when I was looking for feedback to get better, when my grammar was, I under, I understand why they said it, but the way they said it and how they came across was harsh, especially when you written it down and you're giving it feedback to somebody that doesn't see your, your facial expressions or your tone instead of asking questions like, instead of saying, well, I noticed you struggle with grammar a lot. Is there a reason for it? Yeah. Um, this and that. Like I said, when I started starting to write, wanting to write more, wanting to write professionally, a lot of this technology that we have today, I didn't, it wasn't there 12 years ago. It was just being talked about or if it was starting to be used. It was very complex or very expensive or you had to train. I was like, I remember buying Dragon and I had a very old computer and and they had a voice on there and it was like really amazing, but it wasn't the best kind of voice and the technology of dictac dictation wasn't the best. People complain about dictation now on the iPads and in your cell phones. I used dictation when you took two weeks to train the stupid program to understand you. And then you still had to put in so many hours, like 60 hours to really get it to work. <laughs> and people want to complain. I'm like, I'm sitting there going, you guys want to complain? Yeah. And now it's like you buy a new dragon, it only takes about 30 minutes for you to train it and it starts working really well. Well, sometimes with me it doesn't, but it takes a couple of a few days. But but I'm just saying over time it gets better and better. But I mean like you can start using it out of the box after you do the initial 30 minute setup or whatever, how long it takes. Um, I think it depends on each newer version they come out, but it's about 30 minutes. 
instead of taking it two weeks, and then after you get an initial six, and after you get the two weeks, you know, the beginning course, and then it's like 60 hours of you using it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's a whole lot better. And then now they have like text to speech, you know, like, you know, like text to speech where it reads it back out, which is great because that's the way I find a lot of my errors besides using uh, Grammarly free, you know, Grammarly is free. I don't pay for the service anymore. Or, and now in using pro writing aid, which is great. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different things. If I had this stuff, even when I was going to college, it would have been a major, major game changer. But, So, the reason I say this is because my grammar has really um, improved. I mean, it may not be the greatest in some people's eyes, which, whatever. But it has, it has definitely improved to the point where I now I have a blog and I feel comfortable saying stuff on, on social media. And sometimes, sometimes I, I look back and go, should I edit that a little bit more? But it's better. So then you're asking myself, why do I have self-doubt? Well, it comes of what I've been told all my life and up to recent years. And I'm sitting in, I'm sitting here in front of the computer screen making my mind do something that is not used to doing. Trying to create pathways in my brain for editing and that takes time and that just takes, honestly, practice simple as that and so that's one reason why I'm really happy because for one I've stick to this process even though I haven't written edited every single day because I've had different issues going on in my life but I've always came back and I've always sticked with it that itself is was in a journey with celebrating and I've also been able to learn stuff about how my brain works and how to handle my frustration or being overwhelmed even when I'm editing as well as when I'm doing housework. It's the same way I learned this about when I was, when I have a load, backlit of dishes to wash. I sort them out. I do whatever, whatever. Like today, I did something totally new because our hot water heater went out. It actually went out. I discovered it last night, but anyway. I had to heat up water on the stove to wash up dishes with. It's just the way it is when you don't have a hot water heater working. I decided that I had a whole bunch of dishes washed. I decided I was going to wash the pots and pans first because I needed to heat up water on the stove. And so I, I once I got my water heated up, when I washed those first. And I tell you what, I didn't get as frustrated. I did the pots and pans first. I put them away. I washed. I dried them. I put them away. And then I went and did my other cycle. I did the glasses. Now I did some other things before I did the glasses. But I did the, our little cups uh, I take for, for liquid medicine. And measure cup. I just did the odds and ends first of things that needed to be washed and dried. And then I did the cups. I did the glasses. The cupware. And it went pretty quick. And then I took a break. Let's somewhere for last because I, I, my back was bothering me because I was trying to fix the water heater today, but
you know, and then I lay down and took a nap and, and then I got up and I boiled some more water and I finished with some work and it didn't seem like it wasn't like a drag to do because when I got to the silverware, everything else was washed and dried and this was all that was left. And so it was like more of an encouragement to get it done so I could like eat and tape my podcast. And so I have kind of learned, and I think one of the reasons why I stopped so many projects was I seen all these different layers I had to work on. And my brain was telling me, well, I need to work on every single layer now in the first draft or, or whatever, and not realizing, no, I can wait and just work on certain elements. And that's what I've been doing working on certain elements. So in chapter four was getting my plot together and make sure I had a cohesive plot line and making sure all the scenes were in the right order and where they go and see if I need to add anything in the next draft. Some more stuff on the characters. Um, so, you know, like some more stuff on the characters. But this is what I've been doing. I've been trying, like, I think the first was, oh, uh, the zero draft was just writing it. The first draft was rewriting it, reorganizing it. I think, the, I think two or, th two or three was like, I forget which one it was definitely more of editing mode of figuring out what I want to edit, how to make sense, things certain longer sentences, which that took a little bit of time. I had these different stages. And so now I am in, <laughs> I'm all the way back at the beginning of, for draft five and <laughs> I'm working on the opening scene of of the chapter, which any any author will tell you is the most important. I think one of the most important uh, few first few pages is the opening chapter. Um, if it doesn't grab the reader right away, it's not going to work. So. So, you know, that's what I'm working on. And so, and so basically, I'll tell you what chapter on that draft five is about, is about setting and tone. Um, something I noticed when I was reading back through all, all 22 chapters so far I have, that there was things being talked about with my characters that the setting or the tone wasn't showing. It was always talked about, always handed back through the dialogue of my characters, but it wasn't, I as, when I sit down and edit something, I try to look at it as from the reader's standpoint, not what I wrote, but from the reader like, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm the reader. Do I understand what's going on too? Do I need less backstory or more backstory? Is this the right time for backstory? Is this more of, do I need to paint the setting and the tone and the feeling of what this particular character is going through at this particular time? 
what is my character's motivation? What is my character struggling? And how is this character, you know, like, that's what I look at. And then my writer thinks over and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, when I was looking at the ending of it, does the ending match the beginning of my of my book you know the, you know does it does everything seem like complete for for book one yes there's gonna be another book and and this is a whole new process for me and I'm learning learning this and I'm hoping as I get this process down that I can start doing more of this in the four drafts instead of taking eight so now I'm on draft five and draft five is more about looking at certain places that need a certain tone or setting to give you an idea what's life what's life in the world that my characters are living in which not giving too much away but and the stuff that's and the things that surrounding them and their surroundings and what is going on and that's what I'm focusing on and I was like that opening scene was like I went from 14 words in the opening sentence the first sentence opening sentences to 165 or 100 between 162 to 165 words which was it's not exactly where I want it, but it's more fleshing it out, giving me an idea of something I can create. And I also saw, too, that I needed transitions where I went from one element and now I need to transition to the other element. And there you go. And so... And I was something that's not something I haven't seen. That was something I hadn't seen before. And I was also asking a question too about like, and what I mentioned about backstory was, was I putting too much backstory within this opening scene? I mean, these opening scenes, was it just too much? Um... You know, just giving tidbits to, to bring in, to basically you guys, to bring in and go, yeah, I want to read more. You know, and stick through the work, you know, of the process. You know, reading from, from, from the beginning to the end, which that's all authors want, is wants the readers to read every single page. You know, and writing isn't easy, and it's not for the pain of heart you sit here and I'm self-doubt and gone yeah and yeah I've been really I've been like really fighting the self-doubt on this one and the only way that I can just say about that is just for me is to work through it it's just to, to read it so how do I work through the grammar issues and all this and the self-doubt for one thing, I do better when I exercise more before I actually sit down and edit it. And since my iron's been low, I've not been able to really exercise on my Wii like I, that, I sh that I need to do. But I'm going to start back 
doing that up. I'm just going to make sure that someone is here so I don't pass out. Um, I also know not, not to push myself, but I think that will help too. And another thing, if I face it, I'm just going to go just work through it and just push on because that's what I've always done and that's what I need to do. Some of it's the EDD, some of it's my own, my own issues, um, stuff like that. People are going to say things, um, read about things that I need to work on. You know, I have a book I need to read. <laughs> I, haven't re I haven't read that in a while. I have some uh, writing reference books that I need to read and educate myself on some things. Um, if I have to, I can always look up on the video on YouTube. That's one thing I can do. But basically is to work through it and make sure I have the tools that I need. And one thing I discovered, um, which I want to talk to you guys about, is... I was actually thinking about ending my Microsoft Word subscription this coming year. I was seriously going to like, yep, I'm not going to do this anymore. I use Scribner and I also have another thing that I use. Um, so anyway, I like to use, so I discovered Microsoft Word has this wonderful um, new features in it that I knew nothing about where they actually have dictation and read it aloud. And that's what I've been using editing my opening scene with and it works wonderfully. And I highly recommend uh, I highly recommend it for anybody to do that. I mean, it's great. Um, I like it. And so I think I'm going to keep it because I use another, another read text to speech software called uh, natural reader, which I love. And I was trying to get it to work into Scrivener and it wasn't working. And so I decided to open up in word and it, worked it was I was and so I was able to open it copy it from word and then put it into to that and then I started looking around in word and I was like cool and it does a awesome job um about the dicta dictation as well and so if you're like somebody like me that's um dyslexic and has trouble writing out sentences or has issues and like me with mobility especially about typing that's a great alternative instead of buying Dragon. Because Dragon is very expensive. Dragon works very well. Dragon works... Basically, you tell the computer and it'll do it. I mean, Dragon has wonderful functions too. I'm not putting Dragon down. But Dragon is very expensive. But if you're looking for something that has great dictation software, uh, I have to say right now, Microsoft Word has... It's pretty good. And then have a feature to read it all out. I mean, right there too, as well. And besides the normal functions of uh, editor, so which is great. So yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward of doing uh, draft five. Um, looking forward and fleshing out some more stuff and add 
that element that what I'm looking for and the setting and the tone bring out a few things maybe uh, adding some more scenes maybe rewriting some maybe um, I'm also at the point too I'm thinking about book two because there's a lot of things that I introduce in this book that doesn't get complete I just bring the idea into it that I need to also start um, picking up some of the stuff and picking up some of the loose ends that I'm keeping to be picked up in book two because I've actually done that on purpose. So I'm just, that's where I'm at and I'm really feeling good about the process that this seems to be working um, for me. I just need to get on a better schedule and actually put some writing time in and now I'm hoping since I've got my uh, routines, getting my routines down and keeping things organized, I don't have one so I can sit down and focus on my writing. I'm not feeling guilty because I'm writing and I'm not doing, I'm not cleaning, vice versa, that I'm cleaning instead of I'm not writing. I'm not on that endless merry-go-round cycle I have broken that off I've got off the merry-go-round and I went on to something that now I'm more in control and I'm feeling very more comfortable about that so I'm really really good about that I'm glad that with all my issues I've made it through the four drafts I've I'm at the end of it I've accomplished what I want to do and now I'm looking at one specific thing that I need to do and it's like am I, am I going to work on every single chapter I don't know I'm going to look through it and see what I can change. Um, I might start changing some of the plot line a little bit in this one because what I was thinking about towards end of draft four, what I want to come out. Um, I'm thinking about maybe when I get done with uh, with this opening scene, I might go ahead and rework. the ending a little bit more different ways I don't know I don't know sure exactly what I'm going to do but I'm thinking about it just different things but I want to get first first five chapters I think I'm not that could just sitting here thinking about some different things, but I'll get there. I'm thinking about it. So I'm in the right direction, thinking about writing and where I want to go. Um, I'm definitely going to use the word a lot more, especially in the editing process, because what helps me is I can take it. I can take a segment out of Scribner, put it in Word, and work on it, and then copy back and put it back into Scribner, and that works really well to keep the overwhelming news and the frustration because I look down and go oh I got this much to do and just take a little bit and start adding what I want and work on that there and so I may start looking at it as instead of chapters maybe doing a word count again just to kind of help me get over this um, but you know when I'm also just editing when I was just starting running the story and I got the idea down sometimes Just writing, sometimes even looking at the blank page can be daunting. 
And so, and sometimes I, I have a rule that I have to write like 200, you know, I try to get like 500 words. Sometimes, sometimes my first draft, actually my first draft for the manuscript was, was not very long. It was like between five, 500 and 1,000 words. So, but when I got the structure of my story, that's what draft one, draft zero was. When I got the structure of my story where I wanted to go, as as the progression of each edit I did, I started adding more things because I needed, because when I got thinking about book two, I wanted to continue the story. I wanted to add another element to what was already going on and that's what I worked in in the previous drafts and that's what I was making sure of in draft four besides doing editing that making sure everything was where I wanted it and see what I can improve on for the next book not for, next, for the next draft so I'm like I said I'm really happy I'm like I said I'm also still struggling about internal dialogue I just need to work through it and just turn it off. Maybe I need to put something that says I can do it. Sign. Keep going. Um, maybe I need to put some positive things that I can look up and go, yeah. <laughs> maybe get some sticky notes and go. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes half of the battle is just getting to the to the chair. Like a, I, I like to call my captain's chair, my office chair. And just getting here and just sitting down and getting here and just start working on it. Because it doesn't take that long for word counts to start going back up. So, so that's good. So anyway, I am going to go ahead and uh, end it here. I'm getting tired. And I want to thank you guys for listening as always. I appreciate that. And I thank you for understanding why I took a break. I had, I had things going on. I wasn't in the greatest mindset. If you listened to my last podcast, you'd understand why. I had things going on. I had, wasn't feeling well because of the anemia. I was getting my anemia treatments. Uh, I'm like, well, my iron infusions to treat my anemia. You know, I'm still not out of the woods yet. I still got one more test coming up in this month, which I'll be talking about that a little bit more. Um, I'm really hoping I get some answers about that. I'm just, I'm, I'm at a loss about the anemia. I was talking, I was talking to my family about it the other day and I've just come to the conclusion that I may be dealing with anemia for the rest of my life and I need to learn how to live with it. And that's what I'm going to focus on doing. I can't get this upset and frustrated and not work on things that I want to work on. And I have the story that I want to write and I like to get it right and I like to get it published. But first I got to finish the sucker. <laughs> and so that's where I am. So I am going to go ahead and let you guys go. And I hope you have a great week. And no, I'll definitely tell you this right now. There will not be a midweeks episode. Um, I'm going to try to go back and do one on Sunday for this coming Sunday. And talk about some different things. So 
I will catch you there. As always, you can follow me on my Twitter account on AM Storytelling or the latest when I'm I post my latest content there, what I'm doing, what I'm up to. Also you can catch up my blog, alexandramars.com. You can also if you want to send me an email, just hit the contact information and I'll definitely get it if you wish to, to do so. And I'm also on Facebook under Alexander Mars and I will catch you guys on the other side of the moon. Toodles! Alrighty, welcome back to my third segment and I'm glad you have stuck with it. Have stuck it out this far. I appreciate it. Woohoo! You're awesome! Woohoo! So, anyway. I want to talk about what's going on in, in China. And I may go a little long in this segment. I know I did, I did my last segment. But, um, I will set my timer. And I will be off and going. Like now. Um, if you haven't known, if you haven't realized... I had heard something about China did another lockdown in one of their major cities in Shanghai. Um, it's a very well-developed city in China, um, very prosperous, you know, it's very different from other China. It's also a major, it's also a major port that, ex that exports a lot of projects, uh, products, not projects, pro products out of China and so it's very concerning they've been in lockdown since March 28th of, of the possible COVID and it sounds like for some of the information I've been working on that could be a new a new strain of COVID or something um, they haven't really clarified it they just said they're using it for COVID protocols and I'll tell you how bad it is if you haven't been listening the news um, let me give you let me give you statistics what I've learned Shanghai has over 25 million residents within its city limits and every single resident in Shanghai is in lockdown forcibly locked down I mean they are not allowed to leave their homes unless they need to go unless they've been directed by the government to go get testing they're not allowed to leave um they are they're not allowed to leave their homes they are just they're stuck and they're running out of food and the government is not providing the food that they need to survive it's i mean even it's getting it's getting really bad and they're even I mean the quarantine they've not had any deaths they've they've had people with symptoms um, they've had like a hundred thousand people showing symptoms and other people are not showing symptoms they just turned up positive which I this is something I don't understand what the Chinese government is doing they are taking out they're taking people if you get positive, if you are, if you're positive, they are moving you out and they're moving you to a quarantine site, or you better off to say a camp, a camp. <laughs> and they're, they're putting you there in an open environment with everybody else, 
and in some cases you don't have you don't have privacy you don't have the ability to wash your clothes you don't have the ability to get food you don't have the ability to take showers uh, have a porty potty and that's about it so you're in like an open room with everybody else who has COVID which is really strange to me and, and the reason I say this is because here in the United States where I live it's like well if you get COVID you're not allowed to be around anybody else for so many days if you live with somebody you need to quarantine within a room like a bedroom if you do go out into like the main you know like public you know the main living areas of your home they recommend you to wear a mask and not to be out very long um and if you have to share a bathroom with somebody that has COVID, they recommend every time that you go in there and you clean you clean the bathroom. You wipe it down. Which I know because I had COVID back in the summer. And especially if you go into a hospital and you have COVID, they isolate you. I mean, they isolated me when I had the flu before COVID hit back in 2020. And I mean, to stop the spread of, of the flu... And so this is why I don't understand why they're putting like a whole bunch of people who are showing symptoms are positive. It makes me wonder if, if sometimes if China wants another outbreak of COVID. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense how they're busing people and where they're putting people. It doesn't, from you're worried about a virus um spreading and yet you're putting people in an open room full with other people and and you're not allowing them to get the proper nutrition that they need the medication that they need the the ability to wash their blankets their clothes taking showers doing the personal grooming that they need to keep the keep from the the infection from spreading or the virus what is what is going on are, are you wanting something to happen or you don't have enough resources what is what is the deal behind this all right um i i, I just i'm i'm thinking i'm thinking like i don't understand why this is going on another thing too that has me concerned too is now that if if you are in China and you get tested positive they are taking away your they're taking away pets they're taking away dogs and cats um i seen and i'm a cat lover i have a cat and i seen a video where they had cats in net bags all together laying on the concrete this and that and i was talking to somebody about that today Oh, the day of taping this and I said I said I have a cat and I can't imagine somebody putting my cat in that type of bag and my cat not fighting and I said I think the cat I think those cats were drugged because they weren't acting right and and the person agreed with me I just 
that wasn't that wasn't a typical cat behavior. If you know cats, you know that if they're in a strange environment and they're in a bag with other cats, <laughs> they they're not. They were. I know they were drugged, but that wasn't typical. They were like all calm and relaxed, and I'm like, uh, no. Now, unless they're really scared too, though, that's a different story. But certain cats act differently, and it's just like. Yeah. That wasn't typical cat behavior. And then I seen what they were doing, the dogs. Um, and so, so yeah, they're basically taking away, they're taking away people's animals that come down positive for COVID. And they're probably killing, they're probably killing them. Speaking of cats, my cat is meowing. I'll be back. So, okay, sorry about that. He was meowing and I needed to go. I could tell by his cries that it was something he needed. It couldn't wait. So, speaking of cats, this is why I know that particular scene from that scene, that particular video clip of Shang from Shanghai that those cats weren't acting normal. So my question is, why is now China deciding that people who tested positive for COVID now need to to kill to kill their pets? You know, why are they having a hard time feeding people that are in lockdown? Why are they not allowing people to leave? their homes in order to get food like say like one person doesn't need to go out and get food um you know there's a lot of questions that i'm asking because i think this is very important first of all we need to understand that the chinese government does not value individual rights you may disagree with me on that and that's fine you know, when you live in a country that is controlling every, your every single move, you do not have freedom. You do not have individual rights. And that's one thing here in America that we're still, we're fighting for because we're seeing those things slip away. And there's a really flex into this too as well. So my, so one of my questions is, did China learn, a, did China is making new rules for lockdown because what they learned from Wuhan when this first started? Because a lot of people were concerned about their pets. Are they finding it easier now just to, just to go ahead and if you test positive and you live by yourself that your animal is, is, has a, has a death warrant on it just because you got COVID. I mean, I don't know any cases where animals have caught COVID. I mean, it might be possible, but you know. So it makes me wonder exactly what is exactly going on in in China, and what exactly what is actually happening. And I also seen video clips of where food has just been thrown aside and it's rotting. Which has me greatly concerned about the food shortage that people are now struggling that is 
hand by the hands of the government. So it's just it's just a crazy time, and it's something that we need to be watching. So I think we just need to start asking questions: Why? Why is China doing this? Um, you know, it just that's just. I think we need to start asking questions: Why is they have such extreme? Lockdowns. Um, I mean, they're not let, they're not letting anything be exported out of the country right now, especially in Shanghai. That's you know that's that's going to hurt their economy. That's also going to hurt the global supply chain, which we may feel that in a few weeks. You know, just in time when it turns probably. <clears throat> for the colder months, you know, when fall and winter gets here, we may start feeling that once the inventory is used up or sooner. Who knows? And then <clears throat> what's going on in Ukraine? Ukraine can't pot, you know, because now it's a war torn country. Now they can't produce their major crops, wheat, and other things that go into the su global supply chain. So we've we've got some issues coming, and I think the next question to ask is why is if they're if they're taking people out from being quarantined, you know, people are catching COVID being in lockdown. They're catching COVID, being contained in two, in their home for two to three weeks or longer because they've been doing this since March twenty eighth, and now they're move, being moved to a quarantine area, which is open, and they don't have the the things to help to reduce the spread of infection, actually to make the infection spread. Why are they doing this? Why? Why are they putting people in open rooms or facilities that are not the greatest that actually can make their the symptoms worse? What is the purpose of doing this? We need to start asking ourselves these questions. It's not me tactic you know being fearful it's just good questions why is the government doing this to their own people and we also have to remember too that in china you don't have individual rights you don't have the ability to own property you don't have the ability to own things you don't have individual rights that say the government can't do this you know they don't own weapons and i've seen a lot of comments on online saying, well, there's 25 million people living in Shanghai, they could all rise up. Well, <clears throat> they don't have any weapons. They have been conditioned all their lives to submit to the China, to the government. You know, they understand if they get on the line, they will be punished harshly. I don't think, I don't think people living on the outside looking in understand the concept of this. And we just know just a little bit what goes on within China. We don't know the full story unless you know somebody. Um, I mean, they're they're killing people's pets who get infected. Why? There's a lot of questions we need to start asking. Why? Too. Is the question is. Do they want something to happen and have a, a new strain to develop of COVID? I mean, it's possible. It, who knows? Is it possibly that they're just trying, you know, is it possible that they're, they're doing something stupid? 
possible. Is it possible that they're trying to decrease their population and using COVID as a cover? It's possible. It may not be true, but it's possible. You know, I mean, look, China's got a lot of people. I, I forget the China's population, but there's only so much food. And maybe China's government's realizing they don't have enough resources to feed all the people. Their people. Um, <clears throat> but China doesn't care. They don't. They they look at their people as property. And they don't. They don't care about individual rights. They don't care about human rights. They don't care. And whatever's going on, I think our government needs to be looking at that and going, hmm. You know, and so it's just scary. It's just, it's just, there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, who knows what they're doing and why. Um, but there's questions that need to be asked and we need to start asking them. And we start, we, we need to start getting some answers to understand because this is not, it, it's, if you watch some of the videos, especially of the people like crying and screaming at night of all ages in a downtown district of Shanghai, it is just so heart-wrenching. It's so, it's, it's just so hard. It's just, it's just, I had watched the other night, I had watched several videos about what was going on in China and what was going on in Shanghai. And I just was really upset and I had to go talk to somebody about it because it really upset me. I was like in tears. I was working on a, a, a art project when I found those taking a break and I was just really upset because I had never seen anything like it. I was in shock, especially the people that were crying. I mean, I don't understand Chinese, but I could hear the emotions of desperation, fearfulness, hunger, just different things in their voices and just a different age range and it was just like... You know, it was, it was, it was just heartbreaking and there's nothing I can do about it. Only thing I can do about it is talk about it and ask questions. And this is what I'm doing. I'm asking questions of exactly what's going on in China, in Shanghai. What is their intentions? Is it something, are they trying to keep a new form of a variant virus under control? Are they up to something or what is going on? Um, is it a ploy to cause more? Uh, more tension on the global supply chain, especially for America with the 2022 midterm elections coming up this fall and primaries going on now, starting now. Is it that? Is it a plot? Is it a is it a political tool for even for China's own elections coming up in 2023? I've seen something about that today another video. People are scared. I watched a video today about a young woman that was talking about food. The food crisis in China is real. Okay, I've seen other, I've seen ABC News talk about it. I've seen other networks talk about it. They downplay it, but it's real. I watched a video with a young woman was, and you could tell she was watching somebody because she had to watch what she was saying. And she, the one of the, the reporter asked her about food, how is she getting food? And she said it was very hard. It was like, it's like, oh, we're still getting it, but it's, it's difficult. She was kind of downplaying it. And then she started talking about that um, people and like, people was wondering, she used the word compound. 
and and they I think they use the word compound like we use the word apartment complex because she's living in the compound and I did see some of uh, footage what they look like and they have gates and I think it's actually designed to be a compound where they can lock people in um, <clears throat> they have gates because she was talking about there's a gate to her compound <clears throat> and she was talking about some of the strings and measures that they do like for an example that if one person gets uh, in her apartment building let's say her apartment building one person gets um, diagnosed with COVID one person one person they immediately get locked in to the compound they cannot leave and then they can't leave now but I mean they are just they're it's the restrictions get tighter and that particular apartment building is on a longer lockdown than others around them because of one person diagnosed with COVID. And she was also talking about <clears throat> that 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 she is now that she and her partner are not worried if one of them comes down with COVID that their dog will be killed. They have a dog because they had seen a video of where a person was um, diagnosed with COVID, which turned out positive, and then they, the government took that person's dog and unhumanely killed it. That's all I'm going to say. It was, it's the video's going on, you can find it. It was just like, oh my word. Um, and I've seen some other videos what they were doing to dog animals. It was, it was very... I don't normally watch graphic stuff, but I watched a little bit to understand exactly what was going on, and it's graphic. And it, <clears throat> if a government can do that to people's animals that they love and cherish, what are they doing to the people? When the what are they doing to their own people? And I think this is. A question that we should be asking ourselves, that we should be talking about. I mean, I'm not talking about conspiracy theories or whatever, and if you think they are, then that's fine. I think these are questions as we, as the rest of the world, especially Americans or Euro European, I don't care where you live, but we need to start asking the questions. Why is China treating their people like this? What is really going on? And we have, we need to start asking. And I think the next question is, could those extreme lockdown measures happen in the rest of the world? Because China does want it. They, they do want the rest of the world to follow their, their protocols for, for COVID. And it's just like, no, and they're totally against what we're doing here in America about COVID. <clears throat> and all the videos I've watched <clears throat> talk about there's been no deaths in COVID and a, <clears throat> and a lot of the people's symptoms <clears throat> excuse me they're non-symptomatic they're not showing symptoms when they're diagnosed or if they're if they have symptoms they're really mild and something that this this young woman in this video was talking about she was talking about that she had to watch what she said because you could kind of tell. And she was talking about, well, she kind of agreed with China's procedures and 
lockdowns, but <clears throat> and an interesting term that she used too when she was talking about Wuhan was COVID 1.0 and I'm sitting there going really that's an interesting way to explain the first round of COVID was like COVID 1.0 and I'm like what are they calling this COVID point COVID point 202 COVID 2.2 I mean you know like 2.0 or you know and I thought that was really an interesting tidbit that sh that came out. And another thing too was she was talking about that that her government, the Chinese government, <clears throat> had talking about they're like one of the highest vaccination rates throughout the world, which is true. That's what happens when you don't have individual rights. You get you get you get vaccinated or else. <laughs> and talking about, I don't think she, she was like questioning, she didn't understand why her government now was putting in these extreme COVID <clears throat> measures when they have the highest and that they have the highest vaccination rate. And then if they, now if citizens do, do develop COVID, it should be really like mild symptoms. And she questioned that, and then she also talked about her dog. And then she was talking about her dog. But if you're questioning if the food crisis in China is real, yes, because she talked about one of the things she talked about was they're having a hard people getting a hard time getting things delivered to them, and so they're not businesses are not delivering uh, items to individuals so what they're doing is people who live in the same um who live in the same apartment building are going in together and they're buying so much stuff and that's what they're doing <clears throat> and a lot of the videos some of the videos i've watched too from like abc news and some other uh, others talking about that it's getting really hard to deliver food <clears throat> Because people are not out or they're not allowing. I mean, they've got Shanghai locked down. And then some of the other videos I watched where, where the infection rates is lower and it's not as bad. They're letting people go out and walk around. And people are going to the grocery store and they're finding that the grocery store has no food. The shelves are literally bare. And so you have that. And now they're talking about, too, they made a statement with... <clears throat> They're not allowing truck drivers to deliver items to the ports, pro, pro, you know, like production. And so now that's affecting like major companies like Apple, Tesla, and all, all of them in their factories there because no one's working and no one's not delivering anything to the port. So that's going to affect their economy and that's really going to hit their economy really bad. So... So my question is, <clears throat> everything that we're watching, and if COVID spreads and they start putting these drastic, well, not drastic, these really extreme lockdowns to the rest of their cities and provinces around. So the question I've been talking about <clears throat> 
with people is like, are we witnessing the downfall of China? Because you can only do this for so long. I, I don't care if you've, if you've trained the people to behave in a certain way. There comes a pushback. Especially when people are starving and they're witnessing their kids starving. There's going to be some pushback. Especially if you're housing people that are symptomatic. Could, could something happen? Could, could a new form of of COVID happen or another virus comes out of this because of the condition that people are living in that are sick <clears throat> instead of staying home and quarantining and getting and getting better there's a lot of questions here and this is it's just this is not going to be a very they're not all going to be an answer and I think we need as start asking these questions and start looking for information and asking what exactly really going on in China and why is some of this getting downplayed like it's not that bad which it, it is I mean you've seen the, if you're seeing networks that don't normally cover this and going oh yeah food is you know still downplaying the food it's it's bad it's, it's really bad and I don't have all the answers you know, on a lot of our medications that is made is made in China instead of here in the United States or elsewhere, and so I'm I have my concerns how this is going to affect my life, my family's lives, my friends, and just the average American citizen. Actually, the average American citizen, no, the citizen anywhere in the world, because we all we I don't care whether you live in Canada, Europe, Mexico, South. Africa, South America, I don't care what continent you live on, we all get our, we get our supplies from China. We get stuff from China. In what form? <clears throat> and it may be different from where you live at. But it's this is going to hurt. And then top it off, <clears throat> Ukraine and and stuff that's going on with Russia and the sanctions, especially in the U.S., about not getting fertilizer. Wheat, uh, Ukraine was like one of the highest producers of wheat that they export. And once once those supplies are gone, what are we going to do? I, there's a lot of things coming down the road. And I'm not trying to be like all doom and gloom. I think we need to start realizing that some of <clears throat> the the decisions that our leaders are making is going to affect everybody, everybody's income. And I think if you are on a fixed income or a limited income, or you know where you don't make a lot of money, it's gonna it's gonna hurt you the worst. Then someone who can <clears throat> handle the increase, I think the more money you make, the better you're gonna handle certain things. And if People are going to start making hard choices. You know. And I think there's things that. I, I that I'm. That I think there's things that people. <coughs> that in America that. In a long generations that we've not experienced for a long time. And we're going to start experiencing them because we've been insulated. And we've always had leadership and the, and the tools to if we couldn't buy 
to make it here or grow it here. And because some of our decisions that we have done, like building suburbs on good farmland, um, I've always been against that too. I've seen good farmland turn into subdivisions and I'm just like, why? Um, I've seen that through my lifetime. And that has me concerned. I mean, we might have to start growing a small vegetable garden in a couple of years if you can find the, the vegetable seed. People might have to start thinking different ways and start growing stuff because it might just be hard to find. Just different ways of living. Um, it's just it's one of those things and it's just, I think different things are just going to start hitting us pretty soon and I, I just don't know I really don't and I'm not trying to be fearful of the, of the of thing but I see different things happening and it's just like it's, we're all connected globally <clears throat> and so when one thing happens in the global chain it affects the rest of the world and China is, everybody makes stuff in China. And it's been going on since I've been a kid that we've transitioned over to China. And now China thinks they can rule the world. And rightly so, and some experts, some ways. You know, is this attempt, is this China's attempt to hurt our economy because of Taiwan? There was something mentioned about that too. Um, you know, maybe is, is there something else going on in in China about and it's not COVID, maybe it's something else that they're finding and they don't want to tell the rest of the world <clears throat> there's a lot of questions being, that need to be talked about and just should be, be asked and this is what I'm asking I'm asking about COVID I'm asking what exactly what's going on is this COVID related, is this something else is this a ploy is this something, another plan of some sort? I, I don't know. I'm not saying that there's going to be a, another outbreak of COVID or a new variant. I'm just, I'm asking questions. This is, this is my writer's mind. is always asking questions about what exactly what's going on and why. And could it be something more or is it could just be like what they're saying and they're just trying to keep COVID under control over there? Or is this for something else. Is this about controlling people? Is there something going on politically that we don't know about because China's not talking about it? Is this is China, you know, is China trying to prepare, you know, for something? I don't know. Is this is China trying to reduce their population because of the growing food crisis that is coming? I don't like to say that, <clears throat> but is it a possibility? Because there is a food crisis coming. I, and you may think I'm crazy, that's fine. But what we've done, especially in America, what we've done with the sanctions and not able to buy for <clears throat> fertilizer from Russia to, is going to make food in America go up, especially with inflation already. Uh, Ukraine is 
their farmland is is done. I mean, come on, it's just it's just done. You know, you have that. <clears throat> like I said, like I what I've talked about in other in other in other podcast episodes, who controls resources controls the world, whether it's energy, food, or products. And we've been in, we've been in a, we've been in a battle for resources with China for a long time and we've never realized how much we've been going against China. And China will, China doesn't care about the environment, all this stuff too, either, neither does Russia. They understand that resources who, who controls the resources? Who controls the economy? Controls the world. And, and we, I think the average American citizen has forgotten because we live in, we've been dulled with media stuff about politics and other things that I think we don't get enough world news to understand exactly what other countries and other nations are struggling for because we've had so many resources that we've been blessed in this country and that we've been insulated by the media of not realizing what how how good that we have it and and the struggles that has been going on because they don't want to talk about it and this is why we we kind of need to wake up and realizing why we still have a chance we can do something and help the rest of the world not just our people but the rest of the world and i don't know this is just me talking and we're and you may think well there's not a now well people didn't think there was a pandemic coming in 2019 did we and watch it. I was watching that stuff back in late December, early January of of that too, because um, I had stuff going on too, and I was really watching that because I was really terrified what was really going on in Wuhan because a lot of the images I was seeing out of Wuhan before it actually turned into a worldwide pan- pandemic was really scary. Now, I'm not seeing as many of those images as coming out of Shanghai. I'm seeing just a really extreme controlling government just really putting, just basically in prison a whole population of a major city in lockdown, turning it into a prison. I mean, that's the only way you can explain it. And so I'm wondering what's the difference between now and about two years ago. And as about this time too. I mean, when stuff started going haywire. So, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know. And I just, I'm like I said, I think we just need to start asking questions and start talking about this. Was like, exactly what is going on in China, and should we be concerned? I'm concerned because they have now shut down pro- protection in China in Shanghai. And how is that going to affect us in a few months? How is that going to affect us in the summer and going into 
fall and winter of next year. This coming year. Besides the the rise of gas and natural gas, I mean, and energy. I mean, how is it, you know, if you have something to break down, are you even going to be able to find the part? Are you going to be able to order simple accessories from electronics? I mean, what exactly what's what's going to go on? I mean, it's just, I think these are questions that need to be asked and we need to start thinking and not believe everything that we see or, you know, everything that we're told by the media. I think some of we just need to start investigating on our own and just start asking questions and going, what's exactly going on in China? What's exactly happening? Why is this going on? Is it as they say, or is it something more? Is it something dangerous? Is this what? You know, I mean, separating your COVID child from your parent, it's like, really? You know, um, I was talking to someone today about it and people who are going into, who get tested, you know, get tested and they're positive and they go on this, they go on a bus and they're back and they're, you know, out and they're sent to a quarantine camp, you know, or, or a quarantine center, which, which wording you prefer. You know, the question was asked, do they ever come back out? Have really no way of knowing that right now. Do these people who get sent to these quarantine places, do they, do they, do they actually go home again? Um, we have really no way of knowing, you know. My, you know, my question is, why are you taking young children like toddlers and younger away from parents? What is the purpose of that? And you're putting them in all big rooms. See, the videos I've seen where they, where they're isolating people who are positive for COVID in hospitals or uh, quarantine centers is just like a huge big old room filled with people. There's the adults are wearing no mask, the adults are wearing masks in beds and they're like sharing a little area with somebody. I mean, there's no privacy. The lights are on. There's, there's nothing. And it's the same way when these hospital rooms with these toddlers, they were pushing, you know, into a huge room with other children that are sick, supposedly, and they're sharing a bed or whatever. And it's just like, oh my goodness. And for just think about a toddler, all these people that, that the adults are wearing these hazmat suits around these people who are affected, especially children, and they don't understand what's going on. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. And you would think, well, if someone had COVID, you would have them in isolated, you know, if it was really that bad and now you're, you're putting all of them together. I, I just, like I said, I just don't understand this. And I think this is something that we need to keep an eye on and just start asking questions and talking about it and just make people aware exactly what's going on in China. So, 
that's my thing. Well, I am going to leave it here for now. Um, I'm going to end it. And I want to thank you for listening. And as always, you can catch me on my blog at alexandermars.com. You can hit the contact button and you can send me an email if you wish. You can also follow me on Twitter at amstorytelling as well. And send me a message. I'm also on Facebook at under uh, Alexander Mars as well. And I hope you guys have a wonderful Easter. And I'm not sure if I'm going to do a midweek topic or not. Um, I'm trying to get some other things done. Um, I have some more testing coming up. And so I'm, I gotta focus on some things getting done so I can get that test, so I can focus on that testing because it's at the end of April. So that's what I'm, so that's what, so that's when I want, so I think I'm just going to focus on things I want to get done this week. And so I will catch you guys later and have a wonderful week and happy Easter. And I will see you guys next week. Toodles.